It is 3.41 a.m. in Los Angeles, which means it is time <laughs> for the nominations for the second annual Austin Danger Podcast Awards for Excellence in the Cinematic Arts or the Austins or or the Stainies. Oh, my God. The second annual Stainies are upon us. They are on March 10th. And this year, as you may have heard on our main show, Austin Danger Podcast, we are opening the floodgates and allowing you over there. Remember that, you know, from the show? There you are, you over there. Well, you over there will be able to vote for categories that have been populated with nominees by the Austin Danger Podcast voting body, which is a, a uh, all-knowing, all-powerful being that lives in the sky and rains fortune cookies down upon both of our apartments. And in those fortune cookies are the nominees. Yes. And uh, important to note, as you are maybe hearing this, might be listening a little later, but we've put this episode live on February 1st, 2024. And very important, you can use the link in our show notes or you can go to our social media and find the link to the form to your ballot. And you have until March 6th to vote for the Austins. That is the day we will be recording our big Austin special. So you have until March 6th to vote. Uh, and I guess another kind of asterisk is that you do need to have a Gmail account to vote because we are trying to keep everyone to having just one ballot. So no one can spam a certain best picture nominee. If you know what I mean, you'll find out momentarily. Um, so you're only allowed we'll one see. ballot. <laughs> you're only allowed it could one be ballot. anyone. It could be anybody. Uh, you're only allowed one ballot, but you should be able to edit your ballot anytime between now and Mar March 6th when voting closes right when we record so that's kind of the timeline you have a little over a month to get your vote in and the link is in our show notes and social media before we get started i just want to give some advice now we love interacting with you guys and we love hearing from you but one of the things i hear the most is oh, i was just gonna write into that episode i can't believe you guys recorded it now generally when i get this what i'm hearing is maybe i was going to write in but i didn't and i'm not going to and that's okay but but in this case, I would encourage you, if you've seen these movies, to participate and vote as early as possible. Now, we've given you just over a month to do so. So what I recommend doing, as long as you can edit, this is how the Google form works. You can go back and mm -hmm. edit it anytime. Mm -hmm. Do it like now, not as you're listening to this, but after you're done listening to it, go and vote or as soon as you can, and then you can come back and change your mind, or maybe you're thinking about things and things have changed. I would, I would vote when you can. So you, you're not missing out on March 7th when you realize that voting is closed. I fully agree with that. And I do want to also say just as a caveat, like, Though you have to sign in to vote, we will not be collecting email addresses. Like that's not what we're oh, doing. Oh yeah, here. no we're way. Just, we just want to spread the love and we really want to hear from you all. And there will be a section at the end of your ballot where you can write in anything that we don't mention today or on, on the ballot itself. So there's always a place for you to shed some light on the films you loved in 2023. And we really want to hear it. Absolutely. It's time to crack open the envelopes and get to reading our nominees. First, we invented a category. We are the bravest award show on the planet and not just because of our nominee picks. We've decided, we were talking with Kenzie, you and I, and we decided that there should be an award for a performance that is not a lead, certainly not a lead, but also not really a supporting either. This is a performance that uh, comes and goes throughout 
the film for like a brief period of time. So, for example, uh, we did this in reaction to Judd Hirsch's nomination for Best Featured Actor in a Supporting Role in uh, The Fablements, which was about 30 seconds of the movie relative to the rest. Great, impactful stuff, but not really what I'm looking for when I'm handing out Academy Awards for a supporting performance. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that in mind, why don't we get started by reading our nominees for Best Feature Performance in a Motion Picture? And the nominees are Corey Michael Smith in May-December. Margot Robbie in Asteroid City. Megan Thee Stallion in Dick's the Musical. Parker Posey in Bo is Afraid. Marshawn Lynch in Bottoms. And finally, Martin Scorsese in Killers of the Flower Moon. Congratulations to the nominees. Uh, I think this is honestly one of our best uh, categories. Not to be like right at the top, it's one of the best, but uh, I'm really excited about this one. This is a, a show, obviously, of course, the sky being rains fortune cookies on us, and that's how we figure it out. But more realistically, the nominees across the board were very easily done, like on one Saturday morning in about an hour, two weeks ago. But I think that this is these are the strongest batch. Martin Scorsese in Killers of the Flower Moon, he's in that movie, besides some voiceovers throughout, he's in the movie for about 30 seconds. But I'd argue that his appearance in that film is the whole point. Yes. So somebody tweeting about this film who hasn't seen it and will never see it and doesn't care, common thread throughout the night, I think, will we'll see this the trailer and go, well, why would a white guy do this story? Martin Scorsese ties that in a bow for you at the end of that three and a half hour epic story. Why would he tell it? Because that's how it's always been. And maybe that's a problem. And that's yeah. a huge deal. And it's great. And then you have someone like Margot Robbie who shows up in Asteroid City having a huge year herself, shows up in Asteroid City for 90 seconds and as we mentioned a few episodes ago, has me sobbing on my couch every time I watch it. Or Marshawn Lynch, who shows up for just a few key moments, a few key line readings and bottoms and totally steals the show. Um, I love a good featured performer. I think that this needs to be a real Oscars category. Uh, and I, I love that we have this. Anybody who can drop in and change the dynamic of the whole movie. Yes. Like the two we haven't mentioned, Corey Michael Smith in May, December, he is the linchpin of the turn that yes. makes that movie what it is, which we'll talk about later on tonight. Um, and Meg, of course, I mean, it's always, it's always, <laughs> it's always funny to talk about Megan, the stallion and Dick's the musical, because she feels like she was dropped in like a Photoshop filter for <laughs> third, like 15 minutes. And then she does not appear in the rest of the film. She is not in the finale with the rest of the cast the guys went on locks culturistas and was like, I don't even think she remembers doing it, <laughs> but she's great. But and they're Parker joking. Posey, she's great at it. Parker yeah. Posey, our queen again, and sort of like a thread throughout Bo is afraid. And then comes in for a completely iconic scene to a Mariah Carey song at the end. And you know, we love Parker Posey. So any, any opportunity to nominate her, we're looking for it. Exactly. So that is best featured performance. Uh, uh, a non-gender conforming category i noticed mm -hmm. not that that's a thing but maybe that'll set the tone for the future hopefully who knows who could say not a can of worms to open this morning because <laughs> we have to be moving on to best actress in a supporting role and the nominees are 
Speaking of a film we loved, Patty Lupone in Bo is Afraid. Rachel McAdams in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Julianne Moore in May, December. I was hoping you'd do that, and I'm losing my fucking mind. I was like, if she doesn't do it, I'm going to do the list for the rest of the show. The rest of the show. All right. Thanks, thanks for that. I'm naive. I always have been. Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer. Devine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers. Finally, Scarlett Johansson in Asteroid City. Already I'm seeing a lot of Asteroid City showing up, unlike the Oscars, which is one of the many reasons why the Austins are superior. Well, here's the thing, too, is that this season, you know, every movie has the problem of 30 to 45 movies, depending on your taste, dropping at once that were incredible. Like, mm-hmm. incre- like li- I would argue life-changing, extremely powerful cinema. And there's like three to four dozen of them that just appeared. Again, depending on taste. Well, Scarlett Johansson is great. And I think that's a really understated performance in Asteroid City, as are most of the performances in Asteroid City. I think really understated, but great performances. Patti Lapone is definitely... Uh, I think uh, probably the I would say the, the she sticks out like a sore thumb in this group. I think because Bo's afraid. Oh is yeah, a divisive film among the year. But um, you know, I left this year thinking of it as one of my top ten films, and uh, Patty Lupone is a huge reason why. I think she gives a phenomenal performance as Mona. I mean, she is when you get to that third act, that whole chunk of the film facing off with her is, uh, I think, just brilliant acting, and I just love seeing that from an icon like Patty. Absolutely. I can't argue with that. Of all people, I don't think I don't think I'm allowed to argue <laughs> with that. Next, of course, best actor in a supporting role. And the nominees are Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. Charles Melton in May December. That's right. Josh Hartnett in Oppenheimer. <laughs> Milo Machado Grainer in Anatomy of a Fall. And finally, I don't even remember putting him here, but here he is, <laughs> Ryan Gosling and Barbie. Do you want to change it? No, it's canon. This is canon. He's nominated. Got it. I think it's a great, listen, I think it's a great supporting performance. I think he does a fantastic job. I think he's extremely funny and he's not playing himself. Look, I think Ken was the popular choice. He was like, he blew up the summer, right? He was Knuff and he... He uh, really, I just think, had people buy a chokehold throughout the summer <laughs> with his song. So it's an iconic performance. It will always be iconic. Ryan Gosling. I'm ready for Fall Guy. Every time I see that trailer, I'm like, let's go. Whenever you, whenever anyone says that, I'm thinking it's... Um, the game? The weird little Ryan game? Ryan Gosling. Oh. No, Ryan Gosling. Nice I love guy. Fall Guys. Nice guys? No, 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 no. Uh, free Guy. Oh, that's Ryan Reynolds. Yes, the Deadpool classic. I uh, unfortunately kind of enjoyed Fall Guy or Free Guy. It's pretty Jesus good. Christ. I remember. I think yeah. I think Free Guy is pretty good. There's a lot of fun. guys going on. It was on. fun. Wait until wait until another Free Guy or Free Guy Two sweeps the Austins and oh my the Stainies. Then then you'll have no problem. That year you will have no problem calling them the Stainies. <laughs> well, outside of Barbie, you know, we're highlighting a few of our faves, but obviously Charles Melton was a huge quote unquote snub at the Oscars uh, and just a really brilliant performance. And I'm glad that we were able to put him here in the Austins because I think it's well-deserved. Great performance. 
and I'm happy also that we're we're getting a chance to honor that that young child in Anatomy yes. of a Fall, which is like a mind melting performance. I I need the Oscars to not be afraid to nominate kids anymore because like they used to nominate kids. Like I think of that piano win, and I watched it recently. And was like, yeah. oh oh fucking yeah, that's why she got it. Uh, and yeah, amazing performance from from him in Anatomy of a Fall. Can we change our name to the Piano Podcast and we just do the <laughs> piano every week? Amazing. I'm wondering if I have yeah the second the second viewing of Oppenheimer really opened up not just Robert Downey Jr. but every performance for me. And when I had seen that you nominated RDJ, I was like, you know, this actually gives me an opportunity to draw some light on Josh Hartnett who has not been in the limelight in a long time, mm-hmm. but came back to give this amazing performance. And I, I want to highlight one moment I want people to think about. There's a, um, there's a scene later on where Oppenheimer is coming out of his deposition and Hartnett is coming down the stairs very intently to go somewhere else. And he, <laughs> Nolan has him do the thing we've all done in our lives where we like are really painfully trying not to see somebody, Mm -hmm. but then having to slowly acknowledge, like forcing being forced to acknowledge their very existence in the room. And I think that's just incredible. And, and anybody who complains about runtime uh, to, to, to have to, to really fully appreciate that moment, you have to have sat through two and a half hours of Oppenheimer. So, um, yeah. And and the ability to have that land so perfectly like, and I'm seeing people try to be like Robert Downey Jr.'s performance isn't that good, really. And we're not going to do that. I need everyone to stop doing that because we all liked this performance like five months ago. And now everyone's trying to pretend like it's not good. And I just today on Twitter saw the clip of the ta- the table scene with the flowers and that face off with him and Oppenheimer. And like, that's acting, baby. So get out of my face. Yeah, I- I'm. <laughs> Can I also tell you, not to be on Twitter, I saw an incredibly evocative tweet just because i guess we're hitting up we didn't hit everyone in supporting actors but we're hitting everyone here but robert de niro i think he's kind of also the unsung hero of the best supporting actor race this oscar season just generally and i saw a great tweet about him with a c it showed the scene of him in the jail cell with leo and they said this was robert de niro's best performance in over a decade he's so subtle vile and manipulating it's like hearing the devil speak which was like such an evocative phrase that I just, I had to share that about De Niro because he deserves a little love too. No, I, I agree with that. I think it's a, gr- I think again, people, I don't, I don't understand where the discourse has gone that we're now shocked when people uh, sound like themselves when they're pretending to be someone else, which is just acting. Mm-hmm. Well, Kev, bring me into the next, we're getting into the lead performances now. Yes, that's right. Our next category is best actress in a leading role. And the nominees are, Sandra Hewler in Anatomy of a Fall. Carrie Mulligan in Maestro. Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon. Kaylee Spaney in Priscilla. Greta Lee in Past Lives. And finally, Tiana Taylor in A Thousand and One. I will say, I'm looking at it now. If I had a seventh spot, it'd be Natalie Portman. Incredible performance in May, December. She has been snubbed at the Austins. And uh, I just wanted to call that out before anyone yells at us because we famously love May, December. Um, but this is a stack. Lead actress is packed this year. There was a lot of phenomenal lead, leading lady performances this year. I mean, Lily Gladstone, I think of that scream in the stairwell. 
Sandra Hewler, I think of now you're 40 and you want someone to blame and there's no one to blame but yourself. One of the greatest line readings of the year for me. Um, I actually have not seen any of the leading actresses in your in your half of our category. Huh. I have not seen Real, Priscilla, wait, 1001, you... or Maestro yet. I plan to see them. You I haven't, haven't seen, seen them Maestro yet? yet? No, I haven't seen Maestro. Everyone hates that movie now. It's, paid, it's paid fully mid. <laughs> it's paid fully mid. I will be watching it because it is nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, but... um. Yeah. Oh, you don't have Netflix. Of course you have. Yeah, seen it. I'm not on Duh. Netflix. Yeah, so that's that's the con- oh it's a convenience God. thing mostly, but yeah. But yeah. I will watch it. I mean, I will I'll watch run it. down. I'll run down my rationale real quickly just oh, and- for you and for people who may not have seen. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and Greta Lee is amazing. I just want to throw that out there. Oh my God. Kiss me on the mouth, Greta Lee. She's so beautiful. <laughs> I there's nothing I can say. There's nothing <laughs> I can say. But yeah, bring me into your into your ladies. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, Tiana Taylor, I feel like that performance is getting lost because, as I said earlier, like 45 of the greatest movies ever came out this year. And 1001 is not one of those 45 movies. But it's like 55, maybe mm. like 60 on the list, right? It's like it's like hovering around the list. And it, it's just a wonderful performance that elevates that movie to that spot. Uh, and I, I feel like it got, it's getting overlooked because there's a lot of great work that was done this year. Uh, Kaylee and Priscilla had to carry that whole movie. The whole movie is like kind of like some kind of uh, Jaws scenario where <laughs> she's like basically sitting out on a rat, like on an, a small deserted island, like in a cartoon. Right. And then occasionally the shark comes by menacingly and, and he Elvis is this very angular down figure, very scary, like almost like a slasher villain figure. And I feel like, A, like, Sofia Coppola nailed it in the sparseness kind of driving you crazy in, in the way that, like, uh, Chantal Ackerman may have done. Mm. <laughs> Maybe not so directly, but I, I think the movie itself is an incredible mood piece. But she holds that all together in a very reserved but very strong performance. Um, And, hey, look, it happened in real life, so I'm going to spoil it for you. On screen in Maestro, Carrie Mulligan fucking dies. <laughs> Yeah. And and when it when I saw the movie at New York Film Festival, it wasn't going to come out for months. So I didn't say that. But back then I said she did something that I thought was incredible. And what was incredible was dying. Wow. <laughs> there you go. And I was like, oh, my God, I, the, 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 she died. <laughs> you know, like I was sitting there in the Philharmonic Hall like. Oh, my God, this movie is so mid, but she really did just die. So that was beautiful. I thought that was great. Um, the rest of the performance is pretty good. The rest of the movie's, you know, clown show, but like. <laughs> but she's great in it. She's great. I heard that Leonard Bernstein may present at the Austins. <gasps> wow. I'm hearing talks that there may be a lot of very familiar celebrity friends <laughs> who may be presenting at the Austins. So. Wow. Diana Nyad confirmed. Don't tempt me. <laughs> well, Kev, I'm going to tempt you with our uh, leading actor performances. Yes. I'll kill it. Thank you for the segues. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're killing it the, here at five, uh, 655 in Los Angeles. <laughs> Next category is best actor in a leading role. And the nominees are Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer. Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. Andrew Scott in All of Us Strangers. Teo Yu 
in past lives. And Zac Efron in The Iron Claw. This is a bold category, and I love it, actually. The people we have in this category. here's, Here's what I was thinking. You picked the two that are in the lead. Yeah. Because the Oscars race is a two-horse game. It's Killian or it's Paul. And they're both great. They're both incredible performances. So my rationale on many of these categories was, well, I feel like this is a wash. So let's have some fun with it. Yeah. So I picked performances. I mean, Jeffrey Wright is pretty perfunctory of a choice. Um, everybody's picking Jeffrey Wright. I think it's a wonderful performance for an actor who's long, long, long past due for serious recognition for a career of great work. Um, do I think he's going to get it again? I believe this is a two horse race, but loved that film, loved that performance. So I wanted it in. He's also great in Asteroid City this year. He shows up in Asteroid City and yo, when is he leading a West movie? He is so good in French Dispatch. He's so good in Asteroid City. He's great with Wes. The James Baldwin pastiche took my breath away yeah. in French Dispatch. Yeah. Like, it's only a matter of time. Wes, be brave enough to make Jeffrey a lead. Yeah. Uh, please. Um, I didn't feel all of us strangers as much as other people. I felt like a lot of it was, oh, this is going to sound so mean, but uh, I like the guy, Andrew Haig. Uh, but I felt like it was such like personal projection onto a story that had nothing to do with the personal projection. It, um, yeah, it can be, it can feel a little cloying. It can feel a little cloying, I think. Um, it's, yeah, it's complicated to get into without spoiling, but I, I agree yes. that I'm also just fine on it. But Andrew Scott is, um, accesses a depth of emotion that is mind blowing in this movie. That's exactly right. I thought he was so tremendous. He is the thing that really puts it over for me. Uh, and obviously, you know, this is a story I can't relate to. So who, um, who the hell am I to say? things like this didn't reconcile or that <laughs> felt like this. Like, I don't know this guy that well. I've seen one other, one of his movies. Um, but I, I wish it did more for me, but it did that for other people. And I think that's great. Andrew Scott. Wonderful. Um, a 24 can't sell more than one movie at once for shit. Can <laughs> nope. Because here we are with past lives, which got some love, but on, you know, 45 movies unrepresented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Efron and the Iron Claw, same problem, where I think it's a great performance. And I think in other years, they may have wanted to lean on that, but they're busy. They have zone <laughs> There's of only interest. so much publicity. Too, and they have yeah. zone of interest, which um, is doing better at the Oscars than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. It's great. But but all this to say, uh, Zach Efron and the Iron Claw. The Iron Claw also did not fully catch me. I think honestly, I saw All of Us Strangers and the Iron Claw in the same morning. So oh wow, maybe that just a didn't, lot. Maybe that was too much for me at once, and that's why it bounced off. But I think Efron's doing great work. This is again another great actor who I fear will be underrated um, due to some early career choices that were out of his control, but made him famous. Boom. All right, let's please move on. Yes, Kev, let's indeed move on. We are getting to the top two of our big awards of the night. And the nominees for Best Director of a Motion Picture are... Todd Haynes for May-December. Alexander Payne for The Holdovers. Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall, which I did before the Oscars did. Just want to say I'm cooler than them. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I did look at that and like... We had that written down weeks ago. Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon. 
our boy Wes Anderson for Asteroid City. And finally, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Um, I, this there were so. I mean, here's the thing: there's only like five movies that came out this year that are like masterpieces to me. Um, but a lot of them or impeccably directed and many of them are in this category and in the next category. And there's just, I, man, I, I love that again. Like these, these nominations are our, our feelings, right? Like our opinions, the things we loved. Right. Uh, and I'm just so glad that there's a space for Todd Haynes here. Cause Todd Haynes is really cl- crystallizing himself as maybe one of my favorite directors ever. I think um, I love his work so deeply, so dearly. I love everything about his inspirations and the way he feels them through his art. And uh, May, December was um, d- my second, if not my first favorite movie of the year. And uh, I'm really, really glad that it's, it's been a bit maligned. I think just like on social media for kind of very dumb reasons, as well as at, at awards, it hasn't really played because people, I think, especially actors are, a little scared of the movie. And I, I think Todd was a really brave and interesting director to take the script and, and do it in the way he did. And uh, yeah, it's great. Justine blew my mind. Scorsese, he's the King Wes, He's our boy. Like, it's just, it's a great category. I love all these people. Who do you think's going to do the thing this year? What do you, what do you mean? Because as you were talking in my head, I was like, Justine Trier did the thing. And I don't think that's, I don't, think that's right. <laughs> I don't know. But also, but also isn't, isn't the whole thing about anatomy of a fall. Did she, or did she not do the thing? Isn't the website like, did she do it.com or some crazy shit? That's right. Did she do it.com to make you think it's a, in all seriousness, looking at these nominees, I think it speaks to my ongoing theory about like 45 incredible films. And maybe there are films that are like 47 on my list, for example, that maybe you at home are like, where is this movie or et cetera? Uh, just boots on the ground reporting here. Um, oh, no. You can go to dudgeydoit.com and it just asks you yes or no. And then you can click your answer and then it will tell you how many people voted yes and how many people voted no. And it will ask you what your reasoning is. And I will not tell anyone what I put, but I did. My reasoning was because she's mother. No, really? <laughs> yes. At like, oh, and you can view what other people have said, why, yes or no. This is actually a pretty cool website. Sorry not to harp on Anatomy of a Fall right now, but like, it's kind of cool. You can see why people said yes, and you can see why people said no, like in terms of what they submitted. This is, this is incredible. And I think it speaks to the just remarkable filmmaking and direction of Anatomy of a Fall that I bet you they get a million answers that are all unique. Yeah. And I'm the just, film yeah. comes at this scenario with all sorts of things it could have been. I think that you and I should write down what we think and why, and we should open those envelopes on the Austins. Rachel and I uh, disagreed, actually, about, about the answer this, oh, this, this, this evening, actually. Um, I recommend everyone, if you've seen the film especially, please please see the film and then go check this out. Um, and and write your answer because it's it's really really fun um but i agree like the way trier directs these scenes the way she directed Hewler, i think is a huge part of why that performance works is because i could see yes. the camera working in tandem with a perfectly directed performance to create a just a symphony um between the camera and sandra in that film um yeah, honestly, weirdly, like if I had to pick at the Oscars this year, I might even pick her because she does an incredible job. But it's hard to deny the magnificence of what 
Nolan did for Oppenheimer. Cause also that, I mean, that Scorsese, both of those films to me are, are feats of directing uh, prowess that could only be achieved by two of the masters alive right now. Yeah. I highly suggest if people are in doubt on this, watching them again. Yeah. Watch them again. Now you've been through the emotional experience of watching the movie once. Now take a step back and look at the whole canvas and you'll really see the masterful, um, just the way the movies are composed, the performances, where, how certain performances happen and why. The only choice of direction that I think is totally baffling from any of these nominees, any of these nominees, really, is Brendan Fraser in Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon. But as someone who was not crazy about the whale, I consider it karmic retribution for all involved for the whale. So I'm totally happy with it. I'm over it. It was even better the second time. I can't wait to watch it again at home. I, I think I talked on the show. I had a pretty bad experience in the movie theater, you did. but did not ruin how incredible that film was. And I just, I just can't wait to watch it again in my home where I can not have annoying people near me and the picture will look good. Um, yeah, it's a feat. And I can't wait to buy, I really want to get that 4k of Oppenheimer and also check it out again. Um, just incredible films. And yeah, the holdovers really cozy, really great. And Asteroid city, oh, my man. favorite film of the year. So <laughs> holdovers is phenomenally directed i i think that that will be well he didn't get nominated he did because not. again we're talking about we're talking about a year where 40 incredible films came out so i get that but i think the vision here and the instinct and the mastery of character i i just think it's all really great and well done and i love alexander payne alexander payne i i see a kinship to him similar to what you think in, in of uh todd haynes <laughs> where I just, he just gets me and he's always gotten me. You know, I saw about Schmidt way early. I saw it when I was like 13 years old. I, I didn't really understand it, but it spoke to me on a core level. And I, I love that guy and everything he does. So, well, speaking of our favorite films of the year, I think it's time for our last big category before we get into some fun ones. The nominees for best picture in a motion picture are <laughs> Asteroid City. Anatomy, down, shoot. Dicks, the musical. Bo is afraid. Oppenheimer. The holdovers. Killers of the Flower Moon. American fiction. May, December. This can't be right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, all we do is we read the lists, right? Yeah. We read the list every year. We review these movies. We do like a handful of new ones when we think we're going to like it. We're generally right. Um, folks, the final nominee for Best Picture at the second annual Austin's is is <laughs> the story of Diana Nyad crossing the strait between America and Cuba. It's Nyad. But neither one of us has even seen this movie. How could this possibly have snuck who, into Best Picture? Who did Francis Fisher kill to get Nyad <laughs> in the Oscar in the Austins? I don't know. We I almost to... <laughs> I almost made a libelous claim about Francis Fisher. <laughs> we uh we gotta look into that. I mean, we have to honor it, right? The tenth nominee for Best Picture is Nyad, but we might need to look into this a little bit. We're gonna have to see Nyad. We're gonna have to see. It Nyad. may have already happened. It may have already happened by the time nominations come out, and it may already have changed. <laughs> The governing body is not going to love this. Um, 
I mean, I feel like we talked about a lot of these films as we went through um, the nominations. Obviously, I think we've touched on pretty much everything except for Dick's the Musical. This is the first, uh, other than Megan, this is the first time our beloved Dick's the Musical is showing up. Um, but you all knew it was going to show up in Best Picture. That's our baby. That's Kevin. I's like, that movie will always be connected to my love for you, Kev, because we saw it together. Yeah, that was an amazing moment. Yeah. But I, w- I do want to say that not just because of that moment. The movie is very special. And I love it. It speaks in a very specific way. There's been a lot of talk this year about transgressive cinema. And oh, isn't this so offensive? A, the stuff you were shocked at in Saltburn is an act of love in all of us strangers. So what are we talking about? A. I know what you're talking and, about now. Yeah. B, like, yeah, all of this stuff is amateur hour to me, frankly. <laughs> I find none of it shocking. Uh Dick's the musical is shocking. It is very weirdly shot on purpose. It looks weird. Um, You think the sewer boys are shocking because you saw them on social media. They are not shocking. They are the least shocking thing that happens in the whole film. Yes. It's not a movie I could easily recommend to everyone. But if you like our show, and maybe you'll think some of it's funny. I agree. And that's why it's in Best Picture, baby. That's my take on it. Yeah, and you know, the rest are, we've talked about this these fucking movies all year, you know. Well, how about we get into some, not traditional, but Austin Danger podcast specific categories that I think also expand on some of the films that have permeated our podcast throughout 2023. The nominees for the Golden Randy Roundtable Award for Horniest Movie are Bo is Afraid Bottoms Dicks the Musical Poor things. No hard feelings. No hard feelings. <laughs> Look, I saw Jennifer Lawrence naked and I said, it's got to be in here. Moving on, the nominees for the Burt Bacharach Memorial Award for Best Original Song are... All Love is Love from Dick's the Musical. Dance the Night Away from Barbie. Scuttlebutt from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Alien Who Art in Heaven from Asteroid City. <laughs> And totally different from all of these songs. A song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, let's go scuttlebutt. (laughs) Kick that beautiful traditional song's ass. (laughs) The scuttlebutt. (laughs) All right. um, I know these funny categories were kind of moving through very quickly, but I feel like they speak for themselves. And they're representative of films we've talked to death on this hour. Yes. So... Moving on to the Daddy Wasn't There Award for Most Complicated Parent-Child Relationship (laughs) are Gwen and George Stacy in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mona and Bo in Bo is Afraid. All of the parents and kids in Asteroid City. William and Vanessa Afton in Five Nights at Freddy's. Sandra and Daniel in Anatomy of a Fall. Next, the nominees for the Felicity Shagwell Award for Most Badass Screen Siren of the Year, Beyonce Found Dead. (laughs) Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Michelle Rodriguez as Holga in Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Melissa Barrera as Sam Carpenter in Scream 6. All the girls in Bottoms. And the ladies of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. (laughs) Yeah. The next, next fun award. (laughs) Oh man, this is a good one. (laughs) The Fat Bastard Award for Best Film Prosthetic. Willem Dafoe's entire face in Poor Things. 
Bradley Cooper's infamous nose in Maestro. Joaquin's balls in Bo is Afraid. Giamatti's ever-moving glass eye in The Holdovers. And Glenn Howerton's bald head in Blackberry. (laughs) (laughs) Next, the Dr. Evil Award for Best Villain, and the nominees are... Hugh Grant as Forge Fitzwilliam in Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Patti LuPone as Mona in Bo is Afraid. Robert De Niro as William Hale in Killers of the Flower Moon. Jason Schwartzman as The Spot in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And Matt Lucas as Gerald Prodnose in Wonka. I had to look up the last name on that one, and it is not great. It's It's not not great great at all. Uh, Next, the... (laughs) Next, the shark with frickin' laser beam on its head award for best movie animal. And the nominees are... The titular bear in Cocaine Bear. The chunky dragon in Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Potty Pup in Barbie. Oh, those beloved, blessed sewer boys in Dick's the Musical. The dog duck, and pretty much all the animals from Poor Things. And finally, Snoop, that lovely, beloved, incredible dog from Anatomy of a Fall. Boom. Take us into the final award, Kev. Yes, the final category that you over there will be able to vote for is the Austin Danger Podcast Ensemble Award. This is another one that, like that featured performance award from before, we would like more people to do. SAG does it. I I think it's a great way to award movies where there is no big standout and an entire ensemble is incredible. So with that in mind, the nominees for the ADP Ensemble Award are 80 for Brady, the best movie of the year. Asteroid City. Barbie. Oppenheimer. Bottoms. Dicks the Musical. And The Holdovers. Oh, and finally, those are the nominees for the Austin Danger Podcast Awards for Excellence in Cinema, a.k.a. the Austins, a.k.a. the Staneys. And I think in a crowded year, it's telling that we were able to carve out our own stuff. Yeah, I I feel really proud of these nominations. Um, You know, these aren't representative of everyone's tastes. They're representative of ours and our show. But we hope you have a lot of fun voting for them. And again, there is a write-in ballot. So if we left someone or something off that you want to talk about and you want to be shouted out on the show, be sure to use that write-in section on your ballot that, again, you can find on our social media or in the show notes of this episode. And make your voice heard. We're going to share them on the show Our big Austin special is going out Oscar morning uh, and it's going to be a blast. I'm really, really excited to see what you all vote for and and who wins. That's absolutely right. And again, I want to press like vote early and then edit often. And of course we will be doing some other specialty awards. Everyone knows our big award of the night is the Mojo award. For the film, the best encompasses the spirit of Austin Powers. We will be announcing that on the Austin special, as well as some other fun specialty awards. And of course, we're inducting new members into the Hall of Fame on Austin Sunday as well. Yeah, that's right. We have a whole bunch of surprises. So um, Barbie fans, I I would say keep dreaming personally, but for the rest of us, it's going to be a really fun night. (laughs) So... The polls are open. Go now to the link in our show notes and have your voice heard. Who was good? 
Who was bad? I don't know. I've completely run out of steam on this outro. But until next time, <laughs> where we'll be talking about a movie we don't even know yet because we haven't recorded the episode. For Mackenzie, this is Cab. Awesome Danger Podcast. Peace. Peace.